Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. Awesome. Okay, you good? All right. All right, you're listening to Fanatsu. I'm here with Albert Tobis. Um, he is a University of Guam student, Chamorro Studies major. Is that yes, right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, you had the privilege last semester of taking uh, Dr. Mary Cruz's Indigenous Politics class, right? Yes, I did. Yeah, so um, I-, I walked in on uh, you talking to uh, Chris Garcia about um, coming back to UOG after a hiatus. And I, I feel like we share a similar, we've shared a similar path, I mean, as far mm-hmm. as um, education goes. I guess uh, I've been in a school um, since 2008 uh, when I first started. Uh, a lot of it was um, really trying to find the niche within, a, I guess, a society writer. Um, and I found myself at uh, a couple of different uh, food and beverage jobs, uh, restaurants, uh, coffee shops, and, um, you know, I began to notice, you know, like, uh, there's this, there's these levels within Guam's, um, economy, right? And, and there's, there's the rich, there's the poor, and then there's the middle class, right? And I felt myself trying to figure out, well, this all works together, but then who's really getting right benefits out of them? And, and, uh, after a while, um, I decided, I, you know, hitting, a what some could say a glass ceiling, uh, I decided, um, hey, this is, there's nowhere else um, to go uh, after this. So I decided, man, let me just try school again. And, you know, I, I realized uh, maybe this is the outlet that I need to express my thoughts. Um, and over that time, so just a little backtrack, but over that time, I, uh, during those breaks or during the jobs that I had, I, I was uh, keeping in touch with uh, some of the independence things that were going on through my brother, uh, through uh, Bavakwa, maybe at Bavakwa, right? And um, uh, it, there was always a spark there, right? So I would find myself getting this this little bit of knowledge here at UOG, right, with that. And then um, I found out, man, there should be more, right? There, there needs to be more. Um, and uh, I ended up Coming back to school, uh, maybe uh, two semesters ago, uh, after boarding a plane and not being able to really describe uh, Guam to a to an outsider, and I thought that was from then on that was like my ultimate goal was, um, you know, trying to figure out why I had such a hard time as a Chamorro, as a native of Guam, to explain not only myself but my people, my culture, right? This identity that, that follows that. And uh, it was just a, it was just a really hard hitting blow to the, to the self, I guess, for me. And, you know, after finding myself back at school, I decided to uh, major in Tremoral Studies, which wasn't a major when I was going to, when I started. And, um, you know, it's, it's so much more than just, uh, you know, the language or people think we're going to be Tremoral teachers, but really it's, you know, you're, you're setting the, the culture all around, right? The language, the, 
the people, the interactions with between government, between you know, um, uh, the politics of it, right? And um, finally, you know, coming up to Mary's class, right? Uh, having gone through classes with uh, Anne Hattori, uh, James, Dr. James Perez Virnes, uh, sorry, excuse me, Dr. Hattori as well. Um, you know, it just, it just uh, kind of was building up this this foundation that I guess I felt I needed to answer those questions, to finally answer, um, to be able to identify myself as a Chamorro, as a, you know, indigenous of, of Guam. So it's pretty interesting, actually, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, being like being unable to describe what Guam is or where Guam is to outsiders. And mm-hmm. is this, um, if I remember correctly, when we, we took that class with Viernes, uh, you and your girlfriend went to Tennessee. Is that right? Oh, uh, Co- Colorado. 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 Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Definitely, definitely. Wow. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I spent some time in the States. Uh, my parents were part of the, the uh, Navy contractor downsizing back in 2001. Wow. So wow. Um, I moved to California when I was 10 years old Mm -hmm. and um you know it was something that that me and my sister celebrated like oh we're going off islands my first time on an airplane and uh California wasn't what I thought it would be you know yeah yeah there I didn't see movie stars or anything or you know (laughs) uh we were actually uh uh in in a pretty rural place in wine country so um but I just felt so uh so lost like I was in a desert or something I was in a desert without culture or identity, mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I really, yeah. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, my my teacher, he could sense that I felt out of place. Wow. So, you know, looking back on it, um, I'm pretty sure what he was trying to do is uh, he, he lied by saying, um, you know, we're expecting another student, and they're coming from Guam. So, Manny, could you tell us where, where Guam is from? And I was, wow. like, oh, I was like, oh, shit, like, there's going to be someone from Guam here. <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. But... I got up to the to the front of the class, and uh, he pulled the one of those huge uh, rollout maps down, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Guam is, Guam is," and I couldn't find it. Oh, and I man. was like, "It's somewhere around here. I don't see it on the map, but it's somewhere around here." Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you know, they were asking me things about like culture and things like that, and I was like, "I these are things that I couldn't answer." I mean, I was only six; I was in sixth grade. I was mm-hmm. ten years old, mm-hmm. but um, you know. M- like something clicked in me and I think that's why throughout the whole time that I was in California mm-hmm. and even when we moved on to Okinawa, like I just felt this void, you know, and I felt like I needed to come back home mm-hmm. and I needed to find the answers to the multitude of questions that I had about myself and our culture and our history. And, you know, so I'm glad you shared that. Oh, but, um, yeah. Um, so your your journey back to the university, mm-hmm. um, what my, our last guest on the show talked about how in order to truly decolonize yourself, mm-hmm. you need to decolonize the mind. You need mm-hmm. to you need to be radical in the root sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, are, do you know what the root sense of the word? I just learned this last time, but I'm about to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Let's, okay. let's hear it. Let's hear it. Now. Cool. Okay. So um, he was saying that the root word of radical is uh, the root or to get to the root. So, oh, wow. yeah, in that sense, like uh, being radical means um, 
taking yourself back to the root of your foundations. Wow. So, and that, that means everything. So questioning your beliefs on society, religion, all these things, Mm -hmm. be able to question yourself. And I think that's what the university has, uh, has done for me. And I don't know if you share that same, that same thing. No, definitely. Definitely. No, I, I I think it's, uh, I think that, that it's just that, you know, um, really, um, getting back to roots. And I feel like, you know, through the grades, uh, kinder through 12, you're, you're not able to get there. You're, you're given 20 minutes of tomorrow class and where you're just constantly learning the same, you know, recycled stuff, material from the grade before. And, you know, only until you get to UOG or, you know, and, and it's, I think this is, it's a bad thing that it's only until you get to UOG that you figure out that, you get to learn more in depth, right? And it's, you get to really define for yourself what culture means to you versus, you know, um, what we see or what Guam portrays, right? As um, hula dancing, as fire dancing, as, um, you know, once a year, tomorrow month, right? And and um, I guess Yuji gets to give you an overview of, how how the other Pacific cultures are are working within their society, how you know how they still use their roots to make decisions, right? And um, man, I think it's it's just it's such a great time to be back at UOG. I think you know, and um, I, I guess after feeling you know my whole time through UOG in the beginning since two thousand eight, I, I really there was really no drive going through school. It's kind of like just taking classes, trying to get you know, get that bachelor's degree. But then I realized, like, coming back this time, there's a whole, everything has changed, you know, running into, um, you know, folks like you, Manny, or Jesse, or, um, you know, Dr. Viernes, that whole class that we had last semester, or two semesters ago, excuse me. Um, Man, like, just to see that we're all like-minded in different ways, um, and we all want to question, you know, the where we live and how we live, um, and just why, and, you know. and why, you know, and why, and, and really, I think that's it. You know, we're, we're going through this program, we're going through UOG to, to, to gain a, to gain a foundation or build a foundation to have a career for the rest of our lives. But then we, we realize like, man, do we, what do we do with that? Right. Or what are we going to, how are we going to best approach that? And I feel like it's, there's so much to do now, you know, yeah. after after our talks, after, you know, the people that we run into and met. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It, it's beautiful, really. I mean, like you described it, all these like minds coming together. Um, it, it feels like uh, we're on the verge of some, like, expanded consciousness. Yeah, and, um, definitely. But, you know, what sucks is that all of this, uh, our, our mindsets, these are born of um, things like struggle and, yes, uh, yes. you know, obviously colonization. So... Um, in the midst of all the all this um, uh, oppression, you mm-hmm. know, um, I think like 2017, you know, this is this is the time when all our like minds come together, and you know, we we find a um, a staunch answer to uh, um, the the problems that plague us. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, um, I want to bring it back to a uh, uh, cruises class. So, mm-hmm. um, well. I know you guys had to do a capstone uh, paper, right, for mm-hmm. that class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you were saying yours is on the Chamorro Land Trust. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, um, yes. Yeah, so definitely, uh, we had a capstone for the class, and um, you know, uh, Dr. Cruz, he, she, she made it an open, um, 
open subject. Uh, what, what, as long as it dealt with an indigenous population, right? And um, what more than to deal with the, the indigenous population of Guam, right? The Chamorro people. So I said, okay, so um, prior to brainstorming any of that, I, you know, uh, me and a couple of buddies, right? Me, uh, Manny. <laughs> we actually learned this from Manny. Um, me and Jesse would sit in our office and we'd be like, okay, so what are we going to work on today? You know, what is it going to be that we're going to, what are we going to write our papers about and stuff like that? And, and um, you know, uh, Manny had a brilliant idea, you know, being in the graduate program already, right? And that's kind of geared to, towards what uh, Jesse and I have lined up, right? And we want to also be in a graduate program and he said you know what guys you know what you should do when you're undergraduate is is um you know work focus your work to surround a subject that you're like super involved in and um the only thing we got in common is independence right and that that movement there and it's um so we're like okay so we made a deal that we would do we would work on our projects were all surround that kind of answering questions towards independence, questions that, um, you know, average average people, you know, average Joes right, uh, on Guam have uh, in regards to independence. And so what I chose was the Chamorro Land Trust because uh, just like EOG is like that aspect of a root, right, or where we're finding our root, um, our radicalness, right, uh, I decided... Man, land is land is everything to the Chamorro people, right? And yes, we are we were sea voyagers at one time, and you know we lived off the sea, right? But also a lot of it has to do with our land and how we we don't have any really uh, hold on it today, right? In 2016, 2017, right? You could see it with um, all the military buildup and um, all the development on Guam. That's not specifically geared towards indigenous people it's geared you know for the benefit of others right and um so i took on this uh Chamorro land trust um project and i wanted to, s- to learn more really about what the Chamorro land trust is about and you know it's, it's still ongoing research right it's um i'm not the expert uh, expert in it at all but uh what i came to f- um to learn was that it kind of mirrored a it kind of mirrored the Hawaiian Homestead Act, you know, just to bring it a little bit, give an example um, closer to home was uh, Hawaii, right, and how they're an island, right? Um, they were incorporated territory, you know, being uh, molded to become a state someday. And uh, I said, wow, that's pretty interesting. So, you know, Chamorro Land Trust, you know, Chamorros walk in, you know, um, they they fill out an application to... Um, one day be able to attain land, you know, the land is to attain land. And um, and then they kind of just, you know, in all essence, wait for a, a, a phone call or, you know, um, that land is available. And, you know, digging deeper into that was, you know, I said, okay, so then who holds the land, right? And uh, so what I did was for the project, I, I decided let me take a history approach, right? And Let's, uh, let's take a look at this from the past and bring it to the future, So, or bring it to now. And, um, you know, it's like a cycle that, that, is, that, I, that occurred after doing all the research. And it was just like from um, uh, Spain, 
you know, the Americans, Japan and America, it's just constant cycles and cycles of uh, um, land taking, right? And uh, really like cutting down the Chamorro culture and, um, you know, fast forward it to today, right? Just to kind of like sum it up, the, fast forward it today, um, the Navy, right? And, and uh, the United States, they took, they really took, I know this is the the best part of Guam's lands, right? And where the north, right, the Anderson Air Force Base, and the south, Sumai, right? It's, you know, uh, looking at agriculture and uh, land uh, development, those would be, those areas will definitely be large spaces where um, the Chamorro people can actually, you know, develop and grow uh, grow agriculture, um, whether uh, livestock and um and um you know a food for right to be a, a sovereignty right um and um and then they would leave and then in the bigger picture it just leaves this slither in the middle for us uh, and that's where like all the urban development already happens so there's really no space for us to even think of agriculture means and then if you go further down south it's all hills and and mountains you can't you know it's it's almost impossible to to cultivate on that right and so you know after looking at that i said wow it's it's really there there is no land left right or you know there there is no land left and the best parts have been taken so how can you know how can we gain sustainability right and how can we develop ourselves like that uh and i thought that was a smart one of the smartest things i i saw throughout the research was like you know um all the parties that came through or um they they really did know what they were doing and they really did you know they're very smart about it the, especially the united states right and um then i would say okay so if we're gonna wait for land in the Toronto land trust right if if for example if i don't have land and i'm signing up then how do i get it right after all and uh one of the i remember one of the the documents I read, uh, it stated that the only way the Chamorro interest gains land is through um, the United States military say, uh, saying that they have excess land available, right? So that's kind of like, so I'm going to wait in on a list for land, but then I have to wait for the United States to say they have excess land, which is, you know, they don't land that they don't need but then i feel like how can that be when will that ever be if they're constantly saying they need more and more of our land so it was um it was pretty interesting you know and uh, of course this is uh um last semester and i really uh I'm just trying to pull a lot of the thoughts together that created that project but um yeah just just really interesting man that tomorrow land trust uh you know to mimic a whole you know, almost mimic um, the Hawaiian um, Homestead Act, right? And how there are Hawaiians that are, you know, they're they're dying, you know, in line, waiting, essentially waiting in line for a piece of land to come back to them, you know, and these are native Hawaiians. And, you know, I'm like, man, I don't want the Chamorro people to be like that. I don't want, I don't want to sign up and wait in line for, to be, to die and never get land, right? Yeah. So... Well, if you, if you talk to uh, Melvin Wampat Borja, he'll mm. say that those things are already happening. Mm. And um, wow. he's talking about how, like, uh, 
uh, on on Guam, there's this misconception that the majority of the Chukis, uh, or I'm sorry, the majority of the homeless population mm-hmm. are from the outer islands, uh, mm. like Chukis and what have you. But he's saying like, no, um, the majority of homeless people on Guam are Chamorros. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. So and yeah, and uh, you know, um, it's it's just the system itself. It was just set up so beautifully, man. I mean. So any other word I could come up with for that, because you know, uh, you know, with the naval, the naval government, they just um, one of the first orders was uh, to tax lands, and you know, you know, when it's it was pretty interesting. From uh, Spain decided um, it's not the land size that you the uh, the size of your land that we're going to tax. It's whatever you could cultivate off of it that we will tax. You know, and that's the, through the Spain's government. Then come United States, it was like, we're going to tax you on how big your land is, not what you cultivate off of it. So you can manage such a big shift. And um, with how, you know, Chamorros had to um, hold on to their land or, you know, in what ways they had to um, uh, pay the government to say that this is my land and that's such a huge shift because what if the Chamorro people in this um, uh, in the Spanish um, uh, Spanish era, right? What if they what if they only cultivated five sugarcane, you know, um, plants, right? And then come the come the naval government, the naval is like, okay, well, you have an acre, but you're only growing five plants. Um, you're still going to pay for the acre, and they wouldn't come up with the money. So what would happen is that um, because that's the way that the Navy would um, uh, be able to recognize or for you to recognize your land or ownership of the land was to pay that tax. And because you couldn't pay that tax, that would mean that would deem the Navy able to take that land from you. So it was like a system within a system that just it just doesn't work. And, um, you know, and now that's probably why a lot of the land just doesn't belong to Chamorros, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel like saying that um, many of our problems originate from uh, the loss of land in such a way because, you know, if you're imposing a tax system uh, to uh, uh, a community that wasn't um, wasn't founded on monetary uh, monetary trade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're forcing you're forcing indigenous people to then remove themselves from the land to make money to pay the taxes. Exactly. Or else. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, like that that whole bartering thing is that sensuli. You know, uh, it really it really does trace back, and that's you know again that's another resilient aspect of our our culture. You know, it just and it just in different forms we see it today but it's always that that bottom line of reciprocity um without you know money and of course you know now it's taking the shape of like a monetary kind of uh um exchange right and that's what people think is sincerely it's the monetary but really the the roots do stem back to maybe offering a plant for a plant you know or uh uh um a livestock right for another livestock and um Yes, I agree with you, man. It did force the Chamorros to, to to give up, you know, essentially their their land and say, you know, this isn't what's 
um, making profit for me in my life, I have to switch to working for somebody, right? Working for the government, right? Uh, in that time to make ends meet, right? And uh, a lot of it, you know, just displaces the importance of holding land and all that. And, um, you know, um, a, a huge, another huge part of that land loss is, uh, you know, when uh, the security clearance was lifted on Guam and, and it enabled other uh, outside parties to purchase land on Guam. And, and now we see all of Tuma is, you know, a lot of it's not locally owned. And if they're local, quote unquote, it's, they've been here for how many years and, you know, they, they feel local, right? But they're not mm-hmm. indigenous. They're not tied to the land, right? Yeah. Through their ancestors. And, and that's that a big, you know, big thing to keep in mind, right? Yeah, it's it's funny how it's not funny. It's it's sad, really, though. <laughs> but um, that uh, there, there's so many there's so many native people waiting for land, right? Yes. And yes. you know, the government's trying to give more mm-hmm. land away mm-hmm. uh, to investors and whatnot. Obviously, uh, Save Southern Guahan, um, oh, they're yes. they're fighting the uh, the Pago Bay Resort mm. Hotel, basically, mm-hmm. and you know, it's I don't know what are we doing, you know. And What's it's, going on? It's so uh, yeah. When I heard about the Pago Bay uh, Hotel Resorts, I was like, wow. You know, it. There's so many ways to approach the you know these issues, and, but I feel like if you you really got to maybe, and I'm, I'm sure these investors, I'm sure these the people that sign off on these things, they think ten years ahead. But you know, really, like, what does that mean then for one uh an acre or a couple hectares of land that aren't going to be used anymore or maybe even worse than that is like thinking that there probably there's artifacts there you know and then you know and it's probably going to just get bulldozed there's probably just going to get you know um flushed away from all this um development right and those are things you we cannot replace right and it's not to say that we should just not have any more developments on Guam. It's really just, um, I guess, understanding the repercussions behind such an easy investment. So, you know, for an uh, outside company, just to make that investment it, and for Guam to think dollar signs versus, okay, wait, you know, um, how much land do we have left? That could be, you know... Uh, for the Chamorro people, or how much land do we have left um, in in the long run and thinking that, you know, we can become sovereign one day, right? And, and we will become sovereign one day. And, you know, will this affect that? You know, and I really, I apply those those islands, right? And um, those places in the world that, that say, uh, you know, only... Uh, land can be only leased out to outsiders, not bought, right? And give them that permanent foothold on Guam and and in their area, right? So it's it's really interesting all this development on Guam, man. It's you know talking about that. Um, I'm pretty sure you've heard by now the uh, the ruling in Saipan where uh, oh. even um, settlers, foreigners, are now able to vote on issues regarding land ownership. Wow. So. 
um, they they had uh, this system in place where if you weren't a Northern Marianas descendant, then you couldn't own land. You could um, you could lease the land, mm-hmm. um, but you couldn't own it. And now the Ninth um, Circuit District Court. I think that's how you refer to those things. But mm-hmm. they basically ruled that um, that's unconstitutional. Um, and, you know, it's funny how America chooses to apply the Constitution when it suits their needs. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, so, I mean, we'll see where that goes. I hope, um, and I stand with our brothers and sisters in the CNMI, I hope uh, they're able to fight this. No, definitely, and, definitely. Yeah, so, and, you know, what that ruling... You know what? What implication does it have on uh, on our ruling? On you know, we're waiting on the the Dave Davis case, yes, you know, yes. for the plebiscite. So um, it's it's scary. But yeah, and it's you know it's so unique to Guam. You know, um, uh, the the fabric of our of our economy of our people of everybody who calls Guam home is so dense. It's so intertwined. It's so. It makes it very, very. You know, we learned this in our that that class we took with uh, Dr. Virians, right? And it's it's such a hard thing to unpack, right? And uh, hard to untangle. And it's it's kind of like it kind of challenges us, right? As the Chamorros, right? As the indigenous, right? Of Guam, and to say, you know, to what extent do we say no, right? And to um, what extent do we do we we stand by our decision on that? You know, even if it does um, uh, make or break the relationships that we have that we've that we've uh, made, right? And it's it's such a hard place to be, really. You know, um, but then again, you know, uh, in the long run, right? In towards that bigger idea, that bigger goal of what we're trying to achieve, right? We have to be able to discipline ourselves, really, um, and, uh, you know, make these decisions that we make now count, you know, mm-hmm. for the future, right? So. Yeah, be, um, be conscious. Yes, yes, you know? conscious. So I, I think um, a lot of people will pass off uh, um, things like uh, uh, the, the Native Identity um, being tied to the land, mm-hmm. a lot of people will pass it off as being like very woo-woo, very uh, like <laughs> um, you know. I want to use the, the term hippie, and you know, like uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being spiritual, and um, but you know, it's interesting that it's not just us. It's not just a. It's not a chamoral thing mm-hmm. to have this uh, reverence for the land and for the environment, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and even uh Dr. Carlisle Corbin's uh, his island ethos, you know, mm-hmm. um, where he he says, and this is this is a guy who's uh, stood in front of the United Nations many times. He's a representative. He's a um, a policy uh, man. He's just he's all around. He's all, he's around. all around. He's, he's an I want to say expert. So <laughs> okay. for all intents and purposes, but um, but yeah. So this is something that he documents, and he's from the U.S. Virgin Islands, and he's saying like, uh, sorry about that. He's saying that. You know, it's it's land and the environment is intrinsically tied to the native identity, mm. and you know, so w- without 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 our land, without our environment, what are we? You know, what what's going to happen to us? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And and you know, you, you speak of, you're you're talking of identity. I just uh, I just collected some. Um, I'm taking a 
an intercession class at the moment, right, yeah. with uh, uh, Dr. Chris Garcia. And um, we had this, uh, we have one of our projects in that class, one of the two, is uh, and he wanted he wanted us to to kind of research on on um, he kind of wanted us to uh, you know it was like a creative piece right it could be a creative piece it could be a research paper right and, and as long as we're um, you know definitely answering uh, the goals of the class right and uh, what I decided was to research on uh, signage. Uh, a Chamorro language, or, the, or excuse me, the absence of the Chamorro language um, in uh, places like Tumon, right, where, where where people, it's like the forefront of Guam's uh, uh, gates, right, where the tourists, where everybody yeah. comes in and sees uh, Guam, right, what is culture, right, in Guam. And uh, what I did was I, um, you know, from uh, Pacific Place all the way to uh, Tumon Sands Plaza and back, um, both on... Um, inland and beachside, I, I took note of um, one was the greeting uh, used, right? Whether Hafidei, hello, right? Ohio Gadamas, right? Or whatever language was used. And yeah. then I decided to look at the signage throughout Tumon. So the exterior signs of uh, food establishments, right? So specifically, so food establishments, hotel, and um, convenience stores. So I looked at those three and it was pretty interesting. So I came back and uh, I was reflecting on it, and, and I was like, wow, like, out of all of these establishments, like, not everybody, for one, says uh, hafide. Everybody kind of says hello or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the language, whatever, of... of catering to the tourists, right? Yes, catering, excuse me, yeah. catering to the tourists, really. And I was like, wow, man. So I was like, so with this space right here, right, where tourists are all at and, you know how how is the Chamorro culture really portrayed, right? How is it really delivered to these tourists? Mm-hmm. And I said, is it only, is it extend just these two words? And and if if not, then of course we see like the fire dancing that happens on, on the beach side, right? Or, um, uh, or, or any other kind of aspect, right? But, or like maybe just locals walking through Tumon and talking Chamorro, right? Chamorros. Um, but, uh, that was the extent, just a half a day. And, um, you know, not for everybody, or and not everybody did it as well. So I was like, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, tying to identity, like, even tomorrow's themselves are going to walk through that space and they're not going to see their, their, their language, you yeah. know. And to me, what, language is definitely a, a huge aspect of, uh, you know, um, culture of your uh, Chamorro culture of our identity right um a lot of things could only be spoken through our language a lot of uh things can only be understood through our language um and uh uh one of the examples is that that um that uh although there were some some establishments um did use the Chamorro language uh um cracked egg had some uh, usage there, even if it was closer to the Spanish, but you know, just keeping in mind that you know, if we don't see our language on Guam, these spaces that show or that um, uh, perpetuate success, right? This is what it means to be successful, to have this business, to run it, to have these people come in and purchase your product and leave, right? Um, then we're going to start to think that it's 
then that's successful, right? Then that's then we don't need the uh, the language to to uh, move on, and you know, language definitely is so much connected. There's so much connected to our land as well. It's it's such an interwoven piece there, right? and it's hard to dissect that. Right? I want to I want to jump in on that because we're uh, using the word spaces, and we're talking about tourism, mm-hmm. and you mentioned you know what. You know, what does it mean for a Chamorro who's walking through Tumon and uh, not finding a place for themselves or something that represents them? But what what more when um, the only place in Tumon uh, where you think you may have a space mm-hmm. um, uh, is a space that uh, caters to this idea of... Uh, um, you know the the savage identity, and uh, mm. oh, I'm of course I'm talking about um, what's that? What's that cultural? Uh, uh, Sagan is that Sagan Katura and Chamorro? I that... think so. Where they they have the whole the hut village and everything, and like there's guy there's dudes in uh in Saudi and uh, you know. Wait, I think you're talking. I think it might be um, the cultural park or something. The cultural park uh, next to Beach Bar. Right? Yeah, yeah, right down so, that area. Yeah, man. So what? What? What does it do to our identity when the only space you can find for yourself um, is a place where you're you're reduced to, uh, you know, um, a, a primitive looking, you know, savage looking, you know, I- idea. So you know, re- looking, taking a, taking a literary lens. So if we if we juxtapose uh, the Chamorro Cultural Park. Um, and tourists there walk through, and they they see oh these are, these are Chamorros. Um, they live in in grass huts. They still do these things. They uh, I don't know. They open coconuts with their teeth, and uh, <laughs> you know they do fire dances still, and uh, all these things. And then you ju- so you juxtapose that to all the high rise uh, hotels and all these things, all these luxury um, accommodations and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what does that do to the identity and uh, to to perpetuate uh, um, stereotypes and stuff and to degrade us, you know? Oh, definitely. I think it's like a, it just, it gives it like um, two different extremes, man. It's either you're in the air con in a nice uh, hotel room looking at the ocean or you're going to be uh, in a hut <laughs> right next to the beach, you know? Um, and it's um, pretty, pretty interesting. I think that, that is actually it might be closed down actually um but uh you know i i thought that was a pretty when that when that first opened up that area first opened up i was like man i have to go down there i want to see what they're (laughs) i want to see this i got to see this you know and and you know to some extent right it's it's not really you know at the same time it's like we have to be careful because we're not we're not trying to show that you know that we're not trying to give in to that idea that that is savage, right? And that that is like past and we can't, you know, and it's not essentially that we want to do that, but, um, you know, just for tourists to be looking at that and almost as if like a museum, you know, and they're going to take whatever they get from that, you know, from their perspective, they're going to walk, walk in there saying, Oh man, Oh, so this is the Chamorro population. Oh, this is how they look like. You know, is this is this how the rest of Guam looks like? Is this how uh, Derido looks like? Because for sure, we all know that Derido, Derido doesn't look like that, right? And um, you know, is this how they look uh, down south? You know, and and yeah. really, it's really not like that. And you know, it, it gives the wrong idea, right? And and of course, you know, as much as you can say, this is how it looked before, right? Um, because we don't have such a strong foothold on presenting ourselves and 
in a much more better, much more, um, uh, more, hmm, I don't want to say, for lack of better word, (laughs) intelligent way, right? Uh, past the fire dancing, past the hula dancing, past, um, um, you know, our, our, uh, half a day pledge, right? Um, then, then, you know, these, uh, these, these visitors are just going to walk in there and, you know, because there's no foothold, there's no strong, uh, other countering, uh, cultural, like, presentation, then they're going to say, this is the Chamorro culture. This is what we saw in Guam, you know? Man, those Chamorro people were still in huts and they were still in Saudi and yeah. they, you know, they did live alongside the beach, you know? And it's just going to just, um, really... Uh, excuse me, it's really gonna feed into that norm of how we really live here on Guam. And, you know, and that's definitely one of the saddest things I had to, like, try to fend off when I was off island in, you know, in spaces like uh, Colorado, you know, and uh, and on a plane for 18 hours sitting next to a guy who who is actually from the United States, but is living in Japan and didn't know it thing about about guam even if he was just about four four hours away or you know so it's pretty it's just pretty interesting all around man really man um god i'm so glad we're on this topic because uh, uh it's topical for me because i was working on a freelance piece uh, mm-hmm. um a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and uh, i had to uh write about uh bart jackson have you heard the name no he's uh, he's like a marketing whiz here okay. on guam a tourism whiz so he's like the chairman uh, of a, a couple of tourism associations, and uh, he was just elect, re-elected to be a director for the board of directors uh, for uh, GVB, mm-hmm. uh, Guam Visitors Bureau. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just doing a quick Google search on this guy, and uh, I come across this uh, PDN video where mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember last year, but um, they, they had that thing about the Airbnbs here on Guam. Are you familiar? Last year when, um, hmm. no, continue, continue. I'm sure you know this, but so Airbnbs, right? Um, Mm -hmm. you, you set up, um, a reservation on online through the Mm -hmm. Airbnb app or, uh, through your web browser. Mm -hmm. Um, these are homes, these are apartments, these are condos out in, uh, communities, Mm -hmm. um, that people rent out to, Mm -hmm. uh, tourists or, uh, you know, visitors, uh, for a set set amount of time. And of course the hosts uh, collect money. From the rent, but um, most of the, a majority of the time, it's uh, way cheaper than staying at a hotel. Definitely. I mean, especially mm-hmm. here on Guam, you know. Yeah. So. Hundred fifty dollars a night. I have, <laughs> I have yet to uh, spend a night at the Dusitani or. Oh man. Five hundred dollars a night. Oh man. But yeah, so this guy Bar Jackson, he was talking about like why why we should um, regulate Airbnbs, mm-hmm. and um, his argument, and I'm not making this up. You know, people listening at home, they can. It's on PDN. You can, I'm saying this almost verbatim, but he was talking about how Airbnbs are dangerous basically because uh, um, the government can't control the image that, uh, that uh, visitors um, perceive of Guam. Wow. He was saying ba- basically like uh, we, can't, we can't control um, their experience. Mm-hmm. We can't control uh, uh, basically what, what, their, um, what they yeah what what they experience here on island so wow. and i think i mean, he probably uses the the word safe 
safety. He probably brought up safety. But, you know, what what do um, tourist officials want to protect visitors from? What, what are they afraid of tourists seeing? Are they afraid of seeing um, uh, poverty on Guam? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are they afraid of them seeing, uh, you know, obviously the state of the island, the state of uh, our indigenous people? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's weird. Dang. So, yeah, when when he said that, when I listened to that, I was like, you know, my my uh, my scholar lens <laughs> took over, and I was like, you know, is this a is this a system that's uh, orchestrated by higher levels, and uh, you know, especially uh, the the visitors bureau, Man. you know? So it, it's crazy. I mean, colonization runs, or colonization is like a multi-headed serpent. Oh, or yes. like a, you know, a kraken with a with many <laughs> arms, and it it engulfs our society. Yeah, man, uh, it engulfs our society in in many different ways, and sometimes things that that uh, we can't even uh, sense uh, at the surface. So these are things that we have to really be critical of and no, question everything and be radical. And you know, radical is not not a bad word. Like we were saying earlier, radical just means to get to the root. Yeah, so definitely. question what you're question what you're reading, question what you're hearing, question us. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, man. Gosh, that was such an awesome tangent for me. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> where we were going. No, 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 definitely. Well, you know, honestly, I'd like to pick up on that just real quick. So the Airbnb, right? Um, um, you know, I experienced an Airbnb uh, staying at Air with essentially someone's house, really. And uh, it was pretty interesting. Like, you know, you would think that they would just kind of be in and out, you know, and you kind of do your own business as if you're you're renting, you know, like a like a condo. But, you know, and alone. But you 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 felt to realize that if it's at a house, there's going to be other rooms and there's going to be other people doing the same thing you're doing and you're sharing that space. And what I came through my experience was that my host was actually staying, still staying in the house. So. I essentially had one room and they had another room and we would see each other, right? And it was kind of, you know, kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm in, I'm in New Orleans and, uh, you know, this, this guy is, uh, our host is still here, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't mind, um, you know, uh, um, meeting another individual, right? And being, um, so, uh, what happened was, and the, maybe this is answering that safe, that safety, you know, that safety lens that GVB wants, uh, you know, tourists uh, to to have when they come to Guam, right? And uh, counters that really because it's uh, what I experienced was that host who is, you know, from that area who has grown up his whole life in that area actually took us around and gave us a local perspective of New Orleans, really. And he was like, oh man, you guys got to go here. You know, like I know a lot of tourist people go here, but, you know, this is where the locals are at, you know, this is what they do, you know, like, he's like, you know, um, you know, check out the jazz band and like two in the morning or, you know, go here. And, and really a lot of it, you know, in that space and just in that, that area of new Orleans, it was like so crazy because it was so rich in culture, right. And all that. And I wouldn't have probably gotten that experience if I, for one, didn't stay in that guy's house, that Airbnb. Right. And for two, if I didn't get that like local perspective, right? Um, so it was pretty interesting, really. Yeah, I really, uh, really enjoyed it. And I think, you know, that just counters that individual's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, safety lens or that he wants the the tourists to have. Yeah, Guam, and right? and what image are you trying to are you trying to put out for Guam? Really, like what what exactly are you trying to shape? 
Yeah, definitely. Because, um, I mean, like you, I've experienced uh, staying at Airbnbs and, like, multiple times. In fact, uh, tomorrow I'll be flying out to Japan again. Oh, wow. And um, through Airb- um, Airbnb. Airbnb. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what's it, I'm going to... I want to bring it back to um, something I experienced as well, like regarding mm-hmm. Airbnbs um, mm-hmm. and tourism is, uh, you know how a GVB has a marketing campaign out right now. Um, they have commercials on, on TV, like you should support tourism because tourism is the number one driver of our economy. Tourism has so many jobs, like, <laughs> all these things. Right. Oh, and, um, you know, obviously uh, tourism is, uh, can be an arm of colonization, mm-hmm. but you know, something that struck me is uh, when I was in Malaysia, mm-hmm. Uh, I found it so uh, difficult. It was a challenge almost to uh, to get to uh, tourism locales, wow. uh, places of interest like the Patronus Towers, things like that. These are things that that I and the people I was with had to uh, had to coordinate ourselves. Wow. And I was like, you know, like tourism doesn't have that same presence. I was in the capital. I was in Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I wasn't going to a tourism office. I wasn't going through. Um, you know, things like that. I, I did everything on my own and uh, mm-hmm. I said an Airbnb and, uh, you know, I got to talk to real people, um, real experiences Definitely. and experience just in daily life. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, Malaysia is an up and coming, uh, economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so successful mm-hmm. and tourism isn't, uh, one of the drivers of their economy. Tourism mm-hmm. is probably secondary or third, mm-hmm. third area. But, um, you know, like, why, why do we push it so hard on Guam? Why are we forced to either take up um, supporting tourism or, or the military? Yeah, definitely. You know, why are we painting the, ourselves in, into corners, you know? So that's, that's just one thing I wanted to bring up, man. No, definitely. No, too, so. definitely, man. I think that um, it really is that mindset. And, you know, I feel like uh, that radical mindset really right going back to your roots right and you know really understanding that uh it's not it we're gonna be we're gonna be um sold these two campaigns right we're gonna be sold this military campaign right we're gonna be sold this tourism campaign but if you really look at it right at the end right there's they both have short lifespans right on Guam and it's either the only way that that's gonna continue on or is if we keep you know, giving into that, like, oh, we we do need to support, you know, tourism because that is our number one, right? Or we do need to keep the military happy because they are, they're, they're, they're the ones supporting our, our uh, economy, right? And stuff like that. And it's really, I don't know, man, you really got to step back and think twice, I guess, or every time you think of that or you see those ads really, you know? Yeah. Also, um, talking about the military obviously the war operations right are you are you have you been keeping up with the with the topic or cool uh, so um it, it's it's beyond me really but mm-hmm. um basically what's going to happen is uh are the people who deserve war operations mm-hmm. are probably not going to see war operations because they'll probably die before they issue out a, a penny mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's because uh the money that's going to be for war operations comes from the section 30 funds mm-hmm. which is money collected from uh um, military personnel and uh, contractors and stuff that are mm-hmm. here on island for those projects, and mm-hmm. the money has to exceed uh, the collected money from um, 2014, which was a peak uh, year for Section 30 collections. Oh man! So, but yeah, um, so in that sense, the bill, like uh, Lola uh, is saying, um, has been saying uh, in the media and uh, on the podcast and in presentations, mm-hmm. is that uh, the only way to get this money 
is to support the military buildup and to support um, more military personnel coming to Guam. Wow. So, I mean, that just goes in line with what we were talking about, about, you know, why are we accepting just these two forms of economy? Mm, definitely. So, and it's, it puts you in that bind. It puts you really thinking like, oh, man, then I really do have to support this cause. And it's it's, uh, it's dangerous. It's really, really dangerous to think like that. And, and uh, you know, definitely, of course, we are coming from like an academic, right, like um, lens, right, yeah. of... Some would say elites, but it's it's really like, but our baseline that we're trying to get to is is the masses, right? Is is the normal, the average Chamorro, right, or yeah. you know, locals on Guam, right? And it's not um, it's really for geared towards that, right? Yeah. So, so I guess how do we how do we merge uh, the the scholarly with um, the day to day? You know, oh man! How do we, where where is the space where? And I, I think we were getting to this um, sort of at the beginning. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. my voice is cracking now, but <laughs> but uh, we were getting to this sort of at the beginning. Is um, you know, uh, using our our education here in the university mm-hmm. and uh, using that to engage with with our community. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I just learned this last semester with Chris Garcia actually. Oh wow! But uh, yeah, okay. so uh, critical pedagogies. Critical pedagogies mm-hmm. is basically uh, a way of teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, that enforces um, basically student activism and uh, encouraging Mm -hmm. students to use uh, uh, academia Mm -hmm. to make a difference in your communities and uh, to to create a sorry relationships of uh, reciprocity where you're not you're not just staying in the community to to write all these uh, papers with uh, fancy words and stuff Mm -hmm. but you're creating knowledge that helps uh um, enhance the community and so you're, you're giving it back to them in a sense and mm-hmm. that's what drives that's what's driven me in my education especially mm-hmm. and i i feel like you feel the same way right oh no definitely definitely it's i think that's a i feel like that's a you know like the driving force to this education uh, platform that i'm taking now you know and it's uh uh and i feel like I was uh, expressing this to Dr. Mary Cruz and, you know, Dr. Vernes, right, uh, James Vernes, that, um, you know, for the first time I saw uh, more education opportunities after my bachelor's degree, right? And I, I, I thought of that or it came to mind that it, my education cannot stop here, right? And it cannot, it, um, what I'm learning now, there, it's just uh, the tip of the the tip of Mount Lam Lam, really, right? And we have to get, we have to go all the way down to the bottom, right? And it's, uh, it's really like, man, it's there's so much to learn, there's so much to do, and there's that reciprocity. Really, it, it's that's the end result, or that's that for myself is uh, to get back to the community, and but also to let them know that hey, this isn't this space isn't just for a certain amount of people, right? Yeah. It's uh, you could definitely be here. This, unfortunately, this is where we get back to that radicalness yeah. right and that rooted sense right so yeah man. It's, it's interesting man. There's so much so much to talk about so much yeah. to learn, right? man, i feel like we could go on for hours yes um, definitely. You know, it's I'm funny sure. because uh at, at the beginning of this we weren't really sure what we were going to talk <laughs> about right so um but yeah it's cool man um it's been great having you here yeah, and, thank um, you thank you i want to ask you on air i feel like you put out such a good vibe 
that uh, I think you would make an excellent Fanatsu host. Oh, what do you think? Oh, maybe, man. I'll, uh, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Awesome. Yeah, think about definitely. it, man. I know you're a busy guy, and especially the semester is uh, is upon us soon. Yeah. So, but something to keep in the back of your mind, man. It's been great having you here. Oh, thank Good you. Thanks, you. Manny. Yeah, appreciate you're it. You're listening to uh, Fanatsu. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you. Fanatsu is created by the Media Committee of Independent Guahan. Independent Guahan's mission is to empower the Chamorro people to reclaim their sovereignty as a nation. Inspired by the strength of their ancestors and with the love for future generations, they seek to educate and unify all who call Guam home in order to build a sustainable and prosperous independent future. Feedback and questions can be sent to independentguahan at gmail.com, all one word. For more information, head to www.independentguahan.com or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Ihinanganya Independent Guahan, Araba Yenafanataknya Yemantamoru, Pawatatuli Tati Diretota Komo Unashon, Gihilutano, Gini Minekut Niha Yemanyanata, Dani Guinezata Nuifamago Umtamotna, Inakekefan Manungo, Dan Nakekefanetun Todu Itato Siha, Nimanyasagagi Ininatano, Pawatanat Letfetna Ida Guahan, Ni Todu Ininasenata, Kosiki Senior Tafan Latla Maulet Motna, Fanatsu, Hita Latmun.